Shalom everyone and welcome to our new weekly Soul of the Parsha class. I wasn't able to give a live class this week so I'm recording one now from home. I hope you get it in time to listen before Shabbos, before the Passover holiday. Today we're not going to talk about our weekly portion, Tav. We're going to talk about the holiday that begins just after Shabbat. On Motei Shabbat we enter the holiday of Passover and we're all going to celebrate the Seder night with our family, our relatives, our loved ones. And what we want to do today is I want to give you a short but very important preparation class for the Seder night and for the kind of inner work that the Passover holiday calls upon us to do every year on this day. Our topic, the headline, is the freedom to be me. Passover is all about freedom. It's all about liberty. It's about the Jewish people coming out of bondage, coming out of slavery, and becoming a free nation. So every year when we're commemorating, celebrating the festival of Passover, we want to connect ourselves to this topic of liberty and freedom and to ask ourselves, what does it mean for me personally or for who we are right now? But we're, we're going to talk about the personal uh, individual uh, domain here. What does it mean for me to come out of Egypt? What is my Egypt? What does it mean for me to be free from my Egypt? In Hebrew, the word for Egypt is Mitzrayim, which is identical in its letters, in its root, to the word Mitzrayim, which means straits or constraints. And this is our Egypt. Egypt is whatever it is. It could be a false and negative uh, pattern of thinking, of living, of behavior, and it constrains us. And we want to release ourselves from this bondage. So we have to ask ourselves, what, what kind of freedom do we need to, to work on? It's not just a historical festival, it's not just a story. Each generation, each person needs to see themselves as if they're coming out of Egypt this year and this day, the Alter Rebbe of Chabad said it's not just every year every Jew must see himself as if he's coming out of Egypt, it's every day, and it's, of course it's every Jew, every individual. We all need to, to do this work. So the question we want to ask today is, what kind of a freedom do we need in order to be ourselves? There is a there are many levels of self, and there are external, false levels of self, and hidden, deeper, truer levels of self. And we want to find a way to connect to our deeper inner self and release that from the bondage, our bondage, within our external sense of self. Now let's look a little bit, a little bit about what's going on with the holiday of Passover. So the, the holiday commemorates, as we said, the coming out of the Israelites, the Jewish people, from bondage in Egypt. But the commandment that we focus on during this week it appears to be uh, centering around a different topic. It has to do with the prohibition to eat, and in fact to have and to see any form of chametz, leavened bread, bread that's, that dough that expanded in the oven because it has yeast, and we must only eat unleavened bread, which is, of course, the matzah. The reason for the connection between this 
this com- these commandments, not to have leavened bread and only to eat unleavened bread. And the story that we're talking about, that we're telling, the story of the Exodus from Egypt, the historical connection is, of course, very simple and well known. The Israelites were in a rush. They didn't have time to prepare to bake breads. They take a long time to, for the dough to be, to be ready, to be full. So they had to do only with unleavened bread. So the unleavened bread uh, commemorates or suggests the, the rushness, the rapidity, the sense of urgency with which they all came out of Egypt. And so in order to identify with them, we need also, like them, to eat unleavened bread. And then we feel as if we're coming out of Egypt and we're sort of repeating and reenacting the Exodus. But there has to be a deeper connection. What is the connection between this whole image, this whole topic of coming out of Egypt, of constraints, and the prohibition to eat leavened bread and only eating unleavened bread? So, again, these two, these two concepts, they symbolize different things spiritually. So Egypt is Mitzrayim, is Mitzrayim, it's constraints, it's coming out of constraints. What is the deeper meaning of the leavened versus unleavened bread? So this is usually uh, seen as referring to uh, in, in having a sense of inflated ego. This is like chametz, like leavened bread, like the dough expands. It's like our own sense of self inflating, expanding. It's having a self-image that I'm so important and I'm so worthy and so on. And this, is, this takes the form of, of expansion. It takes up room for other people and, and in many ways for myself as well. And this is like the ego, and it's compared to the Yetzer Arad, evil inclination, that is really all about ego and, and an inflated sense of self. And then the unleavened bread is all of the matzah, is all about being humble, being selfless, being not making a big fuss of ourselves, being like a matzah, being thin and simple, and that's it. So what's the connection between the two? The connection is really very simple when you think about it. What is the main thing that constrains us in our lives? What is our own, each one's individual Egypt? We're not in Egyptian bondage anymore. We're free to do what we wish, to go where we wish. And and here in the land of Israel, we're in our own land. And and there's still a way to go in terms of full redemption, of course. But uh, we are, we're not in Egypt anymore. But there is an Egypt that is within us all the time, at all times. And our Egypt is our own inflated sense of ego. Our own self-image, our own chametz, the sense that we are bigger or more important or more worthy or deserving or all, of all kinds of things, this inflated sense of self, our chametz, is our Mitzrayim. Chametz is our Mitzrayim. And becoming a matzah inside, becoming, thinking, having a self-image, that I'm not chametz, I'm just a thin, simple matzah, this is the Exodus. This is coming out of Egypt. So chametz is our Mitzrayim, the, the psychological chametz. And becoming a psychological matzah, this is our Exodus. This is coming out of Egypt. So this is just to place on, on, on the center table, so to speak, what it, is it that we're doing in this holiday? What are we really celebrating or working on internally in terms of doing our own Hasidic inner work? So really what we're, if we, let's take it one step further, 
What we have here is that if we have chametz and matzah as an inflated versus a deflated sense of ego, then really we're talking about two forms of self, two levels at least of self. There is a hidden, deeper, thinner, more humble self, which is like a matzah, and there is an external uh, chametz self. And this is the one constraining or enslaving the inner one. And it's really, what it's doing is it's taking up all the room, not just for others, but for our own selves, because it, it's, it, it's like a dough that expands. Then the matzah doesn't have any room. The matzah needs, needs its own room to expand. Last week we spoke about the divine soul and the animal soul, and we spoke about the divine soul being really a, a huge, magnificent aleph, but that uh, that is so humble that it appears to be a small aleph. And for the animal soul, it's the opposite. It's really a very small aleph, but it appears to be very big. Why, how come this small aleph appears to be very big? Because it's like chametz. It expands. So this is just to get into, sort of getting getting warmed up. So really what we want to, uh, to uh, explore today is what does it mean to eat the matzah? What is the deep meaning of the commandment to eat a matzah, and is Pesach, is Passover really all about just not being chametz and being matzah? Is it all about, again, humility and selflessness and just being very, very small? And Or is it about reclaiming a truer, deeper self and expanding that as well? Because if we if we have just these two images of chametz and matzah, it appears that expansion is negative, and we just have to be sort of deflated and thin like a matzah. But that's not the case. It's a deeper, more complex, more layered story, the whole Passover story. So this is what we want to look at now. So we're going to start by looking at the commandment to eat a matzah. The commandment to eat a matzah, is we have it on the Passover night, we have to eat a matzah, and for the rest of the days we we we're, we don't have to eat matzot, we're just not allowed to eat chametz, but we don't have to eat matzah. On the Seder night, we have to eat matzah. This is a commandment, a deoraita commandment, meaning it's a commandment from the written Torah, direct from God. On the Seder night, we have to eat matzot. So, how many matzot do we have to eat? Three. Why three? So the basic concept that is usually uh, presented is that it has to do with the three levels of the Jewish people, which is Kohen, Levi, the Levite, and Israel, the regular Jews that are not Levites and not Kohanim, not priests. But really it goes further, it goes, its root is, is earlier than that. It has to do with the three fathers, the three patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. The first matzah, well, is, is belongs to Abraham, the second belongs to Isaac, and the third belongs to Jacob. Jacob. Jacob is also the one who was named Israel, so we can really see the connection there. So, what what is the connection between the what I stressed, that the matzot are a deoraita, originally from the written Torah commandment, and that it has to do, it corresponds to the three fathers or patriarchs? The connection is that the written Torah is masculine in nature. It comes from above to below. It starts with God's eternal, 
presence and his voice and his command and his truth and it descends from from his realm to our own realm and this is called a masculine movement so it's embodied by the three uh, the three patriarchs now there is another important element to the seder it's not just the matzot another very important element to the seder is the glasses of wine and the glasses of wine is not a deoraita commandment it's, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that we have to drink four cups of, of wine in the Seder night. This is an addition by Chazal, by the sages. This is not a Deoraita commandment, it's a Derabbanan commandment, meaning it was ordained by the rabbis, by the original rabbis, sages of the Jewish people. Four, interesting, that it's three matzot, but then four glasses of wine. So we know these numbers, and we know these numbers, especially from Passover, because on Passover we sing... Shlosha miyodea, and also then Arba miyodea. Shlosha miyodea is Shlosha avot, the three fathers, patriarchs, as we said. And Arba miyodea is Arba imahot, the four matriarchs, the four mothers, the wives of the three patriarchs. So, and this is again beautiful, because just like the written Torah is masculine in nature, and therefore the matzot are three in number, the oral Torah where the sages uh, were coming from and, and everything that they gave us, it's all part of the oral Torah. The oral Torah is feminine in nature. It grows from the bottom up. It grows as the history of the Jewish people expands and the questions are posed and answered and 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 the discussions are held and arguments are, are held. And, and, and then gradually over time, over history, from below to above, not from above to below, the oral Torah grows upwards. So this is called a feminine movement. The oral Torah is feminine. And this is beautiful. Why? This is a deep reason why there are four cups of wine coming from the oral Torah and they correspond to the four mothers. So we have motherly or feminine cups of wine and fatherly or masculine matzot. So this is just the structure. Now, what does it mean? That we have matzot and we have glasses of wine. So matzot, as we said, it's all about selflessness. Matzah, in Hasidut, is about taking the ani, my sense of self, ani, me in Hebrew, and transmuting the letters, just changing the last, the second two letters of ani, and turning the word ani into the word Ayin. Ayin means nothingness. Different word, but in Hebrew it's the same three letters, Ani and Ayin. Ani is ego, is having, when, and when you inflate the ego, it becomes greater and greater, it becomes chametz. And Ayin is nothingness or selflessness. It's, I'm, I'm not a big deal, I'm, I'm really nothing compared to the infinite presence of God, I'm really nothing. So the matzah is all about, when I eat the matzah, when I chew it and I swallow it, it's like I identify and I become one with the concept of ein. I forget about chametz, I forget about the leavened bread, I forget about my own ego, I'm turning my ani into an ein. This should be my kavanah, my intent, as I'm eating the matzah. I'm eating the matzah, I'm not ani, lo ani, ain't ani. I'm not an ani, I'm now becoming 
ayin. By the way, in, in the word ayin is more straightforward because the letter, the order of the, letter, the letters is as they're ordered in the alphabet, ayin is, uh, alif, sorry, is the first letter and then yud comes afterwards and the nun comes after, after that. Whereas in ani, it changes. If you want to look even deeper at these two words, then you should think that the, the letter yud connotes divinity or godliness. Yud is the first letter of God's name. It's a divine letter. It has to do with God. So in the word ayin, that yud is in the center. That's the center of my being. So I become an ayin. I become nothing because at the center of my being is God. But when you take the word ayin and you turn it into ani, it's like t- taking that godly letter and sort of putting it at the end. Instead of being at the center, I put it off into the end. I want to have the nun before, and then from ayin I become ani. So the, the whole point of matzot is to go back from ani to ayin. The Maggid of Mezrich, the pupil of the Baal Shem Tov, he said that God created the world Yesh me'ain, something from nothing, so that the tzaddikim, the righteous people, and we should all marry to be righteous, and we have we all have, have an element of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to turn the world back from something into nothing, in the sense that we want to make the world as as if it's nothing. We want it to be, so to speak, transparent. We want the world instead of the, the instead of having the world hiding God, like an opaque, something that's opaque, we want to turn the world transparent so that instead of hiding God, it reveals God. So he says, God created the world, he is in a state of nothingness. And the world is the something that hides the nothing. But our goal is to turn the something back into nothing. So this is what matzah is all about. Matzah is is. I, is I, becoming one with the concept of nothingness. So then what are the four? And, 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 and before that, and, and this is a masculine work. It's coming from the, from the written Torah. It, the, God, as a masculine figure, is transcendent. He's above the world. And He commands us that we should go back and, and to His, to, be, to becoming nothing in comparison to him. He is this infinite presence. He is above the, the whole finite world. And he demands that we eat, a, eat matzot on the Seder night so that we remember that we are truly nothing in compar- compared to him and that we should be in a state of, in Hebrew, the word the, the, that I should have used from the very beginning, the word is bitul. Bitul is that I become mevutal. I become... Uh, at one with something bigger than who I than what I am than who I am, so I become like an ein, and uh, as I merge, so to speak, with this the infinity of God. Now, so now the four cups of wine. The four cups of wine comes from the oral Torah. It comes from the imminent presence of God, not from the transcendent presence of God. And of course, wine is very very different than matzah. Wine gives me a sense of release, a sense of joy, a sense of happiness. It's not about bitul, it's about simcha. These two, simcha is joy. These two concepts are a pair. 
we spoke about the three fathers and the three mothers. So we have what we have in here is really we're talking about two of the divine Kabbalistic Sefirot, the Sefirah of Chokhmah and the Sefirah of Bina. Chokhmah is likened to a father figure, Bina is likened to a mother figure. And then the explanation is that the inner dimension of Chokhmah, the father principle, is Bitul, selflessness, and the inner dimension of Bina, the mother principle, is Simcha, joy. Joy is not about selflessness, it's about expansion. It's about the mother, when it, the mother is pregnant, she expands. But it's not chametz, it's a new child being brought into the world. So there is a positive expansion that is now entering this whole structure, this whole uh, depic the depiction of things that we spoke about. If it was just the matzot, it would have all have been just selflessness, bitul, I, nothingness, that's it. But the cups of wine bring into the table another completely different polar opposite element. The element of be happy, be at ease, be feel free to just speak your heart, be who you are. So this is very interesting because it's the very opposite of matzot. And it said about wine, it says, When wine comes in, the secret comes out. So we can we can think about this in a in a negative way that you know you there are no inhibitions you start telling spilling all your secrets, but in a deeper way if the wine is properly absorbed, then uh, we are imbibed. I think that's the word. Uh, if it's done properly, alongside matzot, if it's not just wine, there's also a lot of matzot involved or eating generally then the secret that comes out is a very good secret. It's my secret self, my deeper self. So what we have, just looking at these two things, we have three matzot coming from the masculine aspect of God, and we have the four cups of wine coming from the feminine aspect of God, and they're telling us two different complementary truths. The first one, because the, the written Torah comes first, the first one is work on your selflessness. Don't have an inflated sense of ego. Remember what the Magid said, you were created something from nothing, you have to return to nothing. Not in the sense of dying, God forbid, but in a sense of identifying with nothingness, not feeling your own expansive inflated ego. You have to be like a matzah. But then we have the imminent aspect of God, the feminine, the oral Torah, the four cups of wine. And they tell us, yes, yes, but as you're eating the matzot, also drink a lot of wine. And then you can just be who you are. And though it's not going to be your ego self, because you're, you're taking care of that with the matzah. It's going to be your good self. It's going to be your true self. Your tender and, and subtle and shy and inner positive self and let it let it free the matzah takes care of my chametz and the the wine takes care of my true self so just put together it's all about deflating the external ego and re-expanding the positive deeper sense of self so this is a very beautiful justice uh, a very beautiful understanding of what's going on in the in the Seder night. 
So really, if we continuing what the Maggid said, we can add now something to what the Maggid said. The Maggid said the world was created as something from nothing, and the tzaddikim have to turn the world back from something into nothing. But now we see that there's a third step. The third step is that when the after the tzaddikim have done so, they now want to go back into to make this world a dwelling place for God. This is what all of the Torah is all about. The Torah isn't about, we're not trying to run away from this world, we're not, we don't want to live in some paradise, we're not trying to live in some, you know, eternal, uh, supernal, ethereal uh, realm that's outside of this world. We're, we're Jews, we want to live in the physical world, in the physical realm, and to make this world a dwelling place for God. So after God created the world from nothing into something, and we're turning the world from something back into nothing, now we have to turn it back into something, but it's a subtle something. It's now a refined something. It was first, it was a coarse something, and then, so we have here really, it's descent, for the sake of ascent, for the sake of descent again. But the second descent is very different from the first one. The first one was God creating a world that hides him, and then it was us making the world transparent, the world that reveals him. And then it's going back into the world and refining it now that it's transparent and and focusing on the reflection, not on the, the godliness itself. It's on making this world a, um, a dwelling place for God. Now we see the, this whole idea that Passover, so really, what, what, so what's Passover now? We thought that Passover was about not being chamet and being like a matzah. But now we see it's more complicated than that. It's the, the real concept, the real meaning of Passover is that being a matzah is just an intermediate stage. It's just a means, not an end. We want to be a matzah so that we can return to being chamet, but in a good way. So now let's see this play out in, in, in several ways in, uh, and, and across the, the Passover holiday. So, um, as we know, once Passover ends, the, the, uh, it's going to be uh, Sunday night, uh, we're beginning the mitzvah, the beautiful mitzvah of Sfirata Omer, the seven weeks of the counting of the Omer, and every night we're going to stand and count the Omer from 1 to 49, the 50th number is not counted. And what, what's happening there? So, this is a long journey from Passover to Shavuot, to the Festival of Weeks, or Pentecost. This is when we are rounding up the entire story of the coming out of Egypt. It all leads to receiving the Torah on Mount Sinai. And then we see something incredible. Once we finish the 50 days, we have a very, very special uh, offering that we're giving God. And it's an offering of leavened bread. You should bring from, you must count until the day after the seventh week, 50 days. Then you should bring an offering of new grain, mincha chadasha, to Hashem. You should bring from your settlements two, two loaves of bread. So that, that could still be something like um, uh, unleavened bread, like a matzah. This is most, all, all in fact, all other offerings in the temple that are made of bread, it's all like matzah. It's unleavened. But here it says very clearly, baked after leavening. 
החמץ תאפנה ביקורים להשם. So what do we have here? We have that Passover is about not being חמץ, but it all leads to Shavuot, which is all about offering a, a making an offering of חמץ. Two loaves of bread versus one, which is given in the first day of the Omer. The first day of the counting of the Omer, we bring one, an offering of one bread um, made from Seora. Seora, I forget the English word. Seora is the, is the grain that, is, uh, that animals eat. And then, at the, at the, after the seven weeks, we're given an offering of two loaves of bread made from wheat, which is what human beings eat, and now it's leavened, it's chametz. So what does this tell us? It tells us that Passover, the whole idea of just eating matzah and not having and not seeing and not eating chametz at all, it's just a stage that begins a seven-week journey to the point that we can again bring chametz, be chametz in a way, we have these two loaves of bread, and we say, well, we're unashamed of, of our chametz, because it's a different chametz. It's not the kind of chametz we had before Passover. That was an, an, a negative, inflated sense of ego. Now it's about taking our inner selves, our divine souls, our true nature, and we don't want to leave that to be just very thin and slim and tiny and quiet and that doesn't say anything and doesn't dare to do anything. We want it to grow and to be just like the chametz. We want it to, to take up room and to reveal itself and to be, our, to be who we are, to be our true selves. This is a beautiful, beautiful idea to understand. It, the whole point of Judaism, it's not just Passover, Passover is what, is what reflects this, but the whole point is not to be so thin and humble and small and to sort of dissipate and be a, a, wall, a, how say, a wallflower that sort of fades into the background. This is what matzah. I have to start with being a matzah. If I don't work on the matzah element, if I don't eat the three matzot, then it's my ego inflating. But after I become one with the concept of selflessness and nothingness, when I eat the matzah, I need to drink, and it goes together, I need to drink the four cups of wine so that this true nature is able to expand again and reveal itself to the world and really to be like wheat. Another element, looking at the, at the Exodus story. The Exodus story began in Genesis with the story of Yosef. Who, going over the five books of Moses, the, the Torah, where can we find someone saying the word Ani followed by his name? Like I would say Ani Nir, or any, someone else would say Ani and then his name. It, it actually, only two people do this. One of them does it once, and the other one does it twice. And these two people are Pharaoh and Yosef. Well, God also says Ani Hashem, but God is not a person. So, Pharaoh says, Ani Paro, and Yosef says, Ani Yosef, twice. Um, where does Pharaoh says, Ani Paro, I am Pharaoh? He says this when he's very taken by Yosef, he's very impressed by how Yosef interpreted his dreams, and then he says, now I'm, I'm making you my second in command, and then he says, Ani Paro, I am Pharaoh, 
and I am now making a command. I am now ordering that no one should touch you and no one should harm you in all of the land of Egypt. Sorry, that without your consent, no one... So let's read this again. I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall raise his arm or his leg in, the, in all of the land of, of Egypt. So this is the first Ani that has to do with presenting oneself. Ani Pharaoh. Later on, when Yosef becomes uh, great and, and, and saves the, rescues the land of Egypt from uh, the hunger, his, his um, siblings come to him and he, he doesn't tell them who he is and all the story. And then at the very end, when he can't restrain himself anymore, he decides to reveal his true self to them. And he says, Yosef And Yosef said to his brothers, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. Ha'odavicha, is my father still alive? And then they're taken aback, they're so scared. So the next verse he says again, he says, Gshuna Eli, come to me. And they came. Ani Yosef, I am Yosef, your brother, that you have sold me to Egypt. So we have two figures, two people saying, I am followed by their name. Ani, followed by their name. What is the difference between the way Pharaoh says it and the way Yosef says it? So it's very interesting. The way Pharaoh says it is he's saying, I have the power to command and to be listened to. In fact, that's what Rashi says. If you open Rashi on that verse, Rashi says, why does he have to say, I'm Pharaoh? Everyone knows he's Pharaoh. He could just say, I'm now decreeing this and that. He says, I am Pharaoh in order to reiterate and and sort of remind and expand his domain of control and to say that I am in charge and I am the king and I have the authority to say uh, what should happen, what shouldn't happen, what can happen, what will happen, what won't happen. When Yosef is saying, Ani Yosef, it's totally different. Yosef isn't saying, Ani Yosef and I have the authority. In fact, he's now relinquishing his authority. He, he presented himself as second in command, as something far above his siblings. And now he's, he's, he can't, he can't, he's crying. He can't hold himself anymore. He can't, it was all a big lie. It was all just big pretending. He doesn't want to pretend anymore. He wants to reveal his true self to them. So he tells them, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef, this is who I am. And it's not uh, a proclamation of authority or an expansion of authority. It's revealing his true nature. So there, there are actually two Hasidic concepts that we can that are really in the background here between these two senses of, of proclaiming my who I am. The first concept is called etzem vehitpashtut. We can translate this as essence and expansion. This is Pharaoh. Pharaoh has his essence, his etzem, his he, who he is and what he is. He is the king and he has his authority. And now he wants to expand it. He wants to to expand his domain of 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 authority. But Yosef, it's not etzem vehitpashtut, essence and expansion. It's concealment and revelation. 
it's he is concealed from his brothers and he, now he wants to reveal who he truly is. The best example I can think of of, of uh, comparing these two concepts is to say that essence and expansion is like just after the Big Bang uh, began. The Big Bang theory says that the entire universe was was all condensed into one single point, as crazy as that may be. And then it expanded. And so this is essence and expansion. So Pharaoh is like saying, I am here, and now I want to, I want to expand. But concealment and revelation is the appearance of the Big Bang itself into the world. It's having that point, that singular point, that everything was in it, condensed, just be there. The f- being there is like coming from concealment to revelation. So, this is Yosef. Yosef, so in a way, what, we're, what this is all about is that Pharaoh and Yosef teach us two ways of presenting ourselves to the world. Pharaoh does it in a very chametz way. He says, I want to expand like dough with yeast that expands. But Yosef is very different. He is taking, he, he's relinquishing authority. He's taking off the mask of authority. He's saying, I just want to tell you who I am. Very simply put, I want to tell you this is who I am. And I can just put it here. And I'm not, I don't have to be ashamed of the word Ani. Because I am, I am, I, I've, I've, I've eaten a lot of matzah here in Egypt. I'm, I'm, I, I worked on my selflessness. So note that Pharaoh is saying this once, and Yosef is saying this twice. What does this remind us? It reminds us of the first offering. It appears to be contradictory, but really it goes the same. The first offering, the beginning of the Omer, which is a matzah, is to counteract the very expansive sense of self that Pharaoh had. And the two leavened bread offerings at the end of the seven weeks of the Omer, that count that corresponds to the two very humble Ani that Yosef said. Why? Because the 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 inflated ego of Pharaoh we need to diminish. But the deflated, simple humble Ani of Yosef, we have to inflate, we have to make it grow, because we want to take that truer self, our truer nature, and to, and to expand it. Now we have two more uh, topics to cover. A beautiful place within the Haggadah that we're going to read on the Passover night. An important passage is, shows us, tells us, that the true story of of the Passover night and the Seder night is not, as we said, uh, becoming selfless and becoming thin like a matzah, but revealing our true nature. And we see this very beautifully in uh, the way uh, the Haggadah tells us about who took us out of Egypt. So uh, it starts like this, And the Lord took us out of Egypt, this is a verse, and then the Haggadah says, not through an angel, and not through a seraph, and not through a messenger, but directly by the Holy One, blessed be He. As it is stated, and then there's a verse quoted, and then it's 
uh, interpreted. So the verse is, and I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will smite every firstborn in the land of Egypt, from men to animals, and with all the gods of Egypt, I will make judgments. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Aniashim. And then the Agadah takes it apart and says, And I will pass through the land of Egypt, I and not an angel. And I will smite every firstborn, I and not a seraph. And with all the gods of Egypt, I will make judgments, because there's a lot of I going on here. Uh, I and not the messenger. I am the Lord. And the final interpretation is, I am He, and there is no other. So, in the original verse, we actually just had the word Ani only appeared once, at the very end, Ani Hashem. But when the Haggadah opens it up, there's a lot of Ani going on. Ani velo malach, I am not an angel. Ani velo saraf, I am not a seraph. Ani velo hashalich, I am not the messenger. And then there's the Ani of the verse, Ani Hashem, and then again another Ani, altogether it's five Ani. Um, ani hu velo achel. There's a lot of ani. We know that the, the soul has five levels. It corresponds to five elements within godliness itself. It's the four letters of God's name and the and the fifth hidden level above them. And a God appears to be revealing himself to us through these five ani that appear here. So it's not our own ani. It's not the human ani. It's God's ani. But the fact that the word ani, the word me, appears in such a uh, high concentration, tells us that this is in many ways as the heart of the of the Haggadah. The Haggadah, the Passover night, is becoming Ein in order to become Ani once again. And God is telling, that, uh, is, is demonstrating this uh, to us, that He shows us that He can He can be who He is. Now, the beautiful thing about this is, why does the Haggadah stress so much that it was only God we know there wasn't only God. Maybe there was no angel and no seraph, but there definitely was a messenger, and the messenger was Moshe, Moses. Moses was the messenger. Moses took us out of Egypt. Why is he nowhere to be found in the Haggadah? He, in fact, he only appears in one verse, and they believed in, in God, and in, in Moshe, his servant, um, but that's just a verse. He's not mentioned in the text of the Haggadah itself. But it's not exactly true. He is hiding in the Haggadah. He is hinted at. His name is hinted at in this very paragraph. When the Haggadah says, Ani velo malach, I am not an angel. Ani velo saraf, I am not a seraph. Ani velo hashaliach. It says hashaliach with the hey, with the definite article. Then, if you take those three words, Malach, Saraf, Hashaliach, the acronym, the first three letters, become Moshe. Ani velo Malach, velo Saraf, velo Hashaliach. So all these are negated, but but if you add the three letters, you get the Moshe. So it's, it's like him saying me and not Moshe. But but why is Moshe's name here? Moshe's name here because he did help. But he helped in a way that he didn't feel like he was helping. He felt absolutely selfless. So on the surface, he's not to... Again, so we get on the surface, Seder, Seder night, Passover, is all about Matzah, not being Chametz, being selfless. And Moshe is not there because he's so selfless. 
But when you get the four cups of wine, and when you get the idea of God saying, Ani, 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 and this whole idea that the I can return, that we can re-expand the deeper sense of who we truly are, our, our, our positive deep self, and we can make that revealed and grow and, and be out there, so we now discover that Moshe's name is found in the Haggadah. It can be found, but it's very, very, it's veiled, it's hinted at, it's insinuated. It's just those three letters. So that's really beautiful. He's there, he, he, but he's not there. He's selfless, but he, he's also, he can be found. Mm-hmm. Another thing I noticed this, this week, we celebrated the birthday of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And his birthday is the 11th day of Nisan, Yudalif Nisan. So uh, the first book that he wrote, it's very famous, called the Yom Yom. The Yom Yom is just a collection of, of Hasidic proverbs that were often repeated by his father-in-law, the sixth Rebbe of Chabad, Rabbi Rayat. So when he wrote that book, he, he edited that book, he took all these sayings, he put them together, and then he, he, he corresponded each saying to a day in, in, in the yearly calendar. And then you can, you can read that book every day, a segment, and then throughout the year you have all these proverbs. So uh, one of the proverbs that his father-in-law, the sixth Rebbe, uh, used to say is how to use your birthday as a day of, 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 of rectifying who you are and taking memories and going back and, and thinking what, what you're proud of, what you're not proud of, what you should be repeating, what you should be changing and all this. And work it as a day of meditation and, and self-work. And, and this, by the way, interesting because in, in the Torah, birthday only has to do with Pharaoh. Only, only Pharaoh has a birthday. We would think that a birthday is a negative thing because a me, having a sense of me at the center is a negative thing. But in Chabad and in this particular saying, it's the idea of no, you can, it's the birthday is up to you, what you do with it. If it's all about me and the presence that I'm receiving, then that's in a Pharaoh-like, ego-like. Uh, way to celebrate your birthday. But if you're thinking about what is my true self and essence and my purpose in life and what am I doing and, and you take it as a, as a day of, of cheshbon nefesh, of looking at, at who you are, taking a good look and taking stock of who you are, that becomes good. That becomes a Yosef kind of birthday. So anyway, when in that book, which he wrote before he was, long before he was a Rebbe, or even dreamt that he would be a Rebbe, uh, on the day of Yud Alef Nisan, which is his own birthday, that's when he decided to put this um, this proverb or this Hasidic saying. He could have put the Hasidic saying on the birthday of the person he's quoting, the person that all of this book are sayings by him, by the, the Rebbe Rayatz himself. But he didn't. He put it on his own birthday. And you, you could have thought, oh, that's that's so such an ego way of thinking. Why, why are you even mentioning your own birthday. Who cares about your own birthday? Well, well you're important and everything. You're the son-in-law of the Rebbe and everything, but but this is not your book. You're just editing it. You're writing it for the Rebbe. The Rebbe. He, his birthday is important, not your own birthday. And yet, he had the um, sort of, what's the word? The temerity? I'm not sure that's the word. He had the courage, let's say, to uh, to mention his own birthday, in, in the, he didn't say it's my birthday, but everyone knows he put it on Yudalif Nisan. That's a bit like Moshe being here. So this is all about 
that the Ani can make a comeback. Myself, my sense of self, my sense of being able to say, I am Moshe, I am Nir, I am what I am. And this is the deep level of Passover. The revealed level is all about selflessness and Moshe not being there. And but the deeper the deeper level is the four cups of one bringing me, bringing myself back to the table, and Moshe's presence is here. And just like the Rebbe put himself, hinted at himself in the book that he was writing for the Rav, because he knew that it's okay to be me. It's okay to be who I am. It's not something that I have to totally repress and and take completely out of the equation. In fact, I need to put it back into the equation. That's how the world becomes. redeemed. The world becomes redeemed not if we're all matzot. If we're all matzot, we're just uh, fading out. We're just thin and and invisible. But we want to become visible, revisible. We first were visible in a negative way. This is chametz. And then we become invisible. That's like matzah. And then we want to become revisible, which is not a word. I invented it now, but it's very good to, uh, to explain this whole idea. Of of the post ein ani the post nothingness or selflessness me that comes out of it using the four cups and this and this hidden level of Passover. Now the final element that I want to add here that has to do with a Hasidic tradition. It's not chova. It's not obligatory to observe this in Passover, but it's a very sacred, very important to Hasidim to observe this. And this is the tradition of the matzah shruya. Matzah shruya is when you take a matzah and you dip it in your soup or you spread something on it. And, and this is okay in regular halachic terms, in Jewish law terms, but Hasidim don't do this. They don't eat matzah shruya for the entire seven weeks of the holiday. Why? Because, well, on the surface is because there's a tiniest of tiniest uh, danger that maybe there's a little bit of flour still on the matzah, and if that get, gets wet, it becomes uh, it becomes chametz within the holiday, and you don't want to do that. But the the chances are so slim, and this is why it's it's halachically okay not to observe this and to eat matzah shoya. But Hasidim don't. It's what do you call a hidur, or you can call it the chumra. The Hasidim like to call it a hidur. It's something you do extra. This is what Hasidut is all about, is doing extra. But the, the idea is this. The idea is the deep meaning is that I want to be, become one with the concept of nothingness uninterrupted uh, by any other, by anything else. I want to have pure nothingness. This is one matzah. When I eat matzah without any, without, you know, avocado or, or you know, oil or whatever, soup, whatever, is, uh, and of course, you don't eat knedalach, by the way. When you don't eat shruya, you don't eat knedalach. It's just matzah on, it, on its own, and then the rest of the food on its own. You never mix matzah with anything else. So, the idea is to become one with pure nothingness. That's, that's the idea. But there is an exception. In the diaspora, when the Passover is eight days, on the eighth day, which is just an addition, Yom Tov Shanishil Galuyot, all the Chumrot or the Hidurim, you let go of them. So on the eighth day, you can eat Matzot. And then on that day, you, we hold, Hasidim hold what is called Seudat Mashiach, the meal of the Mashiach. Seudat Mashiach is a special meal. It's, it's like a third 
meal on Shabbat, we have a third meal, not on Yom Tov. But the Baal Shem Tov added a Seudah Shlishit for the last Yom Tov, Shvi'i Shel Pesach, of, uh, or in this case, Acharon Shel Pesach in the diaspora of Passover. And then there's Seudat Mashiach. Seudat Mashiach, all the Hasidim, they take their mat- matzos and they put it into their soup and they eat matzah shoya. In, in, in Eretz Yisrael, you do it on the seventh day, but after the stars come out. So at the very end of the day, because you don't want to take away from the seven days that you observed not to eat matzah shoya. Why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because, for me, the image, the experience of eating a matzah shoya in Seudat Mashiach, this is the perfect symbol, the perfect metaphor for a rectified sense of ego. And we can say that chametz is inflated ego, and matzah is deflated, humble, selfless ego, or lack of ego. And then the matzah shoya is coming from that sense of selflessness, and reclaiming or becoming revisible, like I said, and and you know drenching it a little bit in, into the water, and and it becomes it becomes full. It becomes a little bit fuller. It's still a matta. It's still not ego. It's not chametz. It's not, but it's not a dry matta. It's a matta that's wet that has a little bit of you know like juice in it. And it may, you know, if you don't observe this, it could sound funny or weird, but I really think, I really feel, for me every year, so that Mashiach, the pinnacle of so that Mashiach is that when I'm able, after the stars come out, to put the matzah into the soup, or whatever it is, and to eat it together, and I feel this is the perfect balance. It's not chametz, it's matzah, but it's not a matzah that's, that's dry and like a wallflower. It's a matzah, that has that's juicy, that is able to re- say who it is. You can put wine on the matzah. That's perfect. That's really connecting mar- the marriage of the fathers and the mothers. You take the three matzot and the four. The, you, you, we, we drink four glasses of wine so that Mashiach, and there are matzot hanging also there. So um, you put them together, the wine with the matzot. That's perfect. This is bitul with simcha, selflessness with the joy of the wine and the joy of being who I am and revealing who I am to the world. So, and then afterwards, we we go into the seven weeks in which we, we you know, the Sephardim have the Mimuna, and then we start rectifying, going back to rectifying the Chametz, so that in Shavuot, we can give the offering of the two breads, and we can say, now it's all new. We started with Matzah Shruya, we... Ultimately, we want to also rectify the chametziyut itself, the sense of really expanding and 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 you know revealing who we are to, to the world in a full sense. But it starts with the shruya. It starts with eating a shruya, and and that's a, an intermediate, important stage on the way to rectifying the chametz within me. So to sum up, we saw that in Passover we have two levels, two layers, two. Aspects. The revealed level of Passover is all about matzot and selflessness and 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 Moshe not being present in the Haggadah, and it's just rectifying Pharaoh's "I am Pharaoh." Uh, but on a deeper level, it's all about not not just becoming nothing, but then re-becoming something, re-becoming who I am, what I am, and saying the word "ani" again, not just "ein," and drinking the wine. And this is a more feminine 
This is the deeper feminine aspect of Passover. And so may we all have a perfect, balanced, masculine and feminine Passover and Seder night. Enjoy the three matzot as you become nothing and then enjoy your four cups of wine as you become something again. And may we all be rectified some things, rectified individuals that are who they are and we can bring our light to the world. May we all have a very kosher and happy Passover. Kosher because we're eating just matzot and happy because we're drinking a lot of wine. Pesach kasher v'samech.